Open up your Bibles with me to Ephesians 4.17. Today we're going to talk about putting off hate and putting on love. What a great time to be in church today. Glad that you guys made it. And uh, the sermon series on the book of Ephesians, if you're new with us, catch up and uh, just read the book this month and you'll be right where we are. And uh, then you can start reading it every week. This is what we've been doing for the last year and a half and we're going to continue. Today we're going to talk about putting, on, uh, putting off hate and putting on love. If you're in Ephesians 4.17, can I hear an amen? Amen. It says, so I tell you this and insist on it in the Lord that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do in the futility of their thinking. So today when we talk about putting off hate, we're talking about taking off a mindset of treating people the way they treat us or doing to them what we think they deserve. So we're taking off that mindset and we're putting on the mindset of Christ which says, I'm going to love my enemy. I'm going to forgive those who sin against me, even if they don't deserve it. And remember, forgiveness does not equal acceptance. When you're saying, I forgive you, you're not saying, I accept what you've done. But notice this. Paul is telling us at the beginning of this, the beginning of this passage is that we can't think like the Gentiles do because they think a certain way. So guess what? The Gentiles have a problem with hatred. And this uh, definition of Gentile here is non-Jew, but it really means non-Christian, persons or people not keeping the commands of God. They don't have a problem with their hate. They make an excuse to hate others. They have a reason in their mind that justifies them not forgiving their enemies. But the Bible says that's futile. So when they make up their excuses and say, I have the right to be angry. I have the right to hate you. I have the right not to forgive you. The Bible says it's futile. It's literally meaningless in the long run because when they stand before God and Jesus says, I forgave you, you should have forgave them. Any excuse they now say will be futile. Do you get it? So apply that as I read through the rest of this passage, what we're going to learn today about hatred and love. Verse 18, they are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their heart. So can they on their own get the Christian message of love? No, they can't. On their own, it is impossible for them to change themselves. It was impossible for you to change yourself. Don't ever get it twisted. You didn't make yourself a Christian. You could no more make yourself a Christian than you can make yourself a bird and have wings and fly out of here. You were made a Christian when you were born again. When you were born the first time, did you have something to do with that? Did you have something to do with your mommy and daddy getting together on that one lonely old night? Did you have something to do with forming yourself in the womb? Did you have something to do with pushing yourself out of the womb? Did you have something to do with making your heart beat, your lungs to breathe, your brain to develop? Did you have anything to do with that? No, you were just born, weren't you? The work was done by someone else. When you became a Christian, did you have anything to do with making yourself a Christian? Did you better yourself? Did you stop doing bad things, start doing good things? Did you go to church more? Y'all getting quiet. You must have thought that made you a Christian. No, the Bible says you must be born again to enter the kingdom of God, born of the Spirit. And just like the flesh gives birth to the flesh, Spirit gives birth to Spirit. So what's the only difference between us who are going to heaven, who are saints now, and sinners? Is we have allowed Jesus to make us new. We have allowed ourselves to be born again. We just said, yes, you can give us a new life. Yes, you can. Yes, we didn't resist. So those who go to hell are not going to hell because they've done more worse things than us. They're going to hell because they refuse the free gift of God. That's why the Bible says you've been saved by grace, not by works, lest any person should boast. What book does that scripture come in? Where's that, where's that scripture found? In what book? Oh, y'all quiet on me. I'm going to be preaching a long time. Come on. Uh, Y'all were worshiping better than you're listening to a sermon right now. Come on, you need to get with this. Where's my Bible, good sir? Please put it up. You need to go to Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8. Go to it right now. Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8. The Bible teaches us how you were saved. It's in the same book we're studying verse by verse by verse. Don't forget the verses prior, friends. We're studying chapter 4 right now. Don't forget chapter 2. 
Ephesians chapter 2 verse 8 says, you have been saved by grace through faith. This is not from yourselves. It is the what of God? The gift of God. So how is it today we no longer hate our enemies and love those who mistreat us? Did we change ourselves to love our enemies? No, we were changed by God to love our enemies. Now we're getting a light show. Let's just do one thing at a time, good sir. Let's get the lights on. Guys, hit one of these lights over here. Help them out. Maybe there's having problems there. But listen to me. I need you guys to understand this. You didn't change your heart to love your enemies. You didn't say, well, one day I'm going to try really hard and love my enemies, and I'm going to stop being angry all the time. No, you received the gift of God, and it changed your heart. Do you get it? That's what happened. You believed the gospel. Now go to verse 9, please. It says, this is not from yourselves. It's the gift of God. Now verse 9 says what? Read it out loud. Not by what? Not by what? Thank you. Not by works so that no one can boast. Keep going. Verse 10. For we are what? has handiwork or his masterpiece created in Christ Jesus to do good works. So were you created first or did you do good works first? I said, were you created first or did you do good works first? You were created first. You were made new first. See, get it right, friends. You were created first in Christ Jesus, then to do good works, which he prepared for you in advance. Please go to the verse so they can see it. In advance. So this life that you are living now is not one by accident. God had it predestined, but he knew your choices. So understand this. God having sovereignty and understanding what will happen doesn't mean he's going to make it happen. Just understand this. I could have the wisdom to know what my child will choose between two different options on a menu, but that doesn't mean I make her make that choice. Do you understand? God's sovereignty doesn't make you make those choices, but God's sovereignty knows the choices you're going to make. So no one will go to hell based on God's foreknowledge of you going to hell. It will not be unfair. You or I or anyone will go to hell based on the choice you made, though God already knew it. And you may say, well, then why did he still allow me to be created then if he knew I would go to hell? Because it was for God's glory that he made creation and you to get a choice. That was his prerogative. If you don't like your creator, you can take that up with him. So God creates, now in the world of his creation, we have a choice to accept him and be born again and to no longer be hardened in our hearts, separated from the life of God, and ignorant. That's our choice. And as we're going to learn today, we have the choice of love or we have the choice of hate. And so if we want to be born again, we will have the opposite here. We'll no longer be separated. We'll be brought together with God. No longer being ignorant, we'll be wise. And no longer will our hearts be hardened and full of bitterness because of what people have done to us. Our hearts will be soft and full of love. But continuing on talking about sinners, they've lost all sensitivity. They've given themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge in every form of impurity. They are full of greed. That, however, is not the way of life you learned when you heard about Christ and were taught in him in accordance with the truth that's in Jesus. Nudge your neighbor and say, you were taught better. Amen. If you've been coming to this church, you've been taught better. Now, verse 22, you were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your what? Of your minds, thank you, and to put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. You have a new self that's been created. Who's it been created to be like? The new self is created to be like who? God. So did you create your new self? No, God gave it to you. Now he said, take off your old, put on your new. That's your choice. Woo! <laughs> I just wish I could get everybody to get that. Take off your old, put on the new. It's your choice. God's got a new look for you right now. And let me just tell you, you look a lot better with the new self than you do with your old self. God's got you, okay? He's got you. Say no more, fam. God's got you. God's got you. Just put on the new self right now. Just put it on and live like God. And when people say nobody's perfect, say that's right, nobody's born perfect, but we can be born again perfect because that's the new me. The new me is made like God. The new me is made truly righteous. The new me is made holy. 
Now, do I always live like it? No, thank God Christians can be forgiven of sins. But do I continue in my sin making an excuse that I'm just a sinner? No, because I'm a saint now. I'm a new creation now. I have a new self now. I have a new default mode of life now. Amen. Therefore, we do all of these wonderful things. Therefore, we take off falsehood. Therefore, we speak truthfully to our neighbor, for we are members of one body. In our anger, do not sin. We're not going to do that. We're not going to let the sun go down while we're still angry. Don't get the devil the foothold. Anyone's been stealing, steal no longer. You must work. Do something useful with your hands that you have something to share with those in need. Watch your words now, right? Don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. Do not grieve the Holy Spirit. Spirit of God with whom you are sealed for the day of redemption. That's why we were changed on the inside by the Spirit. We have a new self because of the Holy Spirit. We've been sealed until the day we get a new body. New spirit first, new body at the resurrection. Can I get an amen? Amen. Thank you. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, brawling, slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another. Get it here. Forgiving each other just as in Christ God forgave you. Somebody say, I should forgive. Because I've been forgiven. That's the example we're given. Now, chapter 5 continues here, and this is our passage for today, verses 1 and 2. Let's read it together. 1, 2, 3. Follow God's example, therefore, as dearly loved children, and walk in the way of love, just as Christ loved us and gave himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. There is one of the most beautiful scriptures you'll ever read in the Bible. I could break this down for hours and hours just explaining to you what it means to me and what I believe it should mean to you. But I want you to catch those revies. This week, go back and read this passage again, especially when you get to the part we're in now at chapter 4 and 5 and see if you can just catch the turn that it takes here. He reminds us that we do all of this because of God's love, that we're literally his children now. We were born once in sin, children of Satan, destined for wrath, deserving of it because of our forefathers, Adam and Eve, but now since we're born again, we are the children of God, not by our own works, but by the work of Jesus on the cross. And now we are told to walk in the way of love. So what is going to mark the way of a Christian? It's the way of love. The two greatest commandments are to love God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and your neighbor as yourself. And then you are to look to Jesus just as Jesus loved you're to love. That I mean, that would be impossible unless God made you a new creation, right? Because you would say, how can I be like Jesus? I'm so messed up you don't know me but you go back to those prior verses and you see that he gave you a new self to be just like him just to be like him this is why he made you new not just to be the one who does his chores as Ishmael was preaching one week here one of our elders he said when my wife and I got together we didn't decide to have children so we could have someone do the laundry someone to put away the dishes someone to keep uh, keep the kitty litter clean we had children to share our love with we had children so that they could know us and we could know them and it's the same thing with God God didn't uh, uh, create us just a command us to do crazy things in life or not to do the bad things or whatever. God created us for love. God created us to know us and to be made known. This is the true self. This is what you were created for. Know your God and know yourself. And when you know yourself, you will know God. You cannot know yourself without knowing your God. But if you start inward, if you start here, you'll just follow like Trent Reznor said from Nine Inch Nails. If you start here to know yourself, you will follow an endless deep hole, a, a, a hole as dark as your soul, as he said. Then it never ends, and I'll never give you control, as he was saying back to God, I believe, in his song. So we, we go in, and we just go darker and darker and deeper into our own depravity. No, but we start to know ourselves by denying ourselves and saying, it's not about me. I'm the big I'm not but he's the great I am you see that and you start by denying it's not about me I didn't create myself I didn't make myself someone made me for that purpose and I surrender to it and that's when you're born again and then that's when you can know yourself as the true spiritual being that God made you to be and then you can hear a command like this you're a child now walk in love just as Christ was just as he loved And you're like, man, I can be like Jesus? Yes, you were created to be like Jesus. 
to give up yourself as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. We're going to get into that today. But now he just turns right back to the things you're not supposed to do. Oh, that's such a killjoy. No, we're supposed to do all this stuff. This is fun. No, it's not fun. This is the stuff that's not love. And we're going to talk about that in a little bit. But among you, there must not even be a hint of sexual immorality or any kind of impurity or of greed because these are improper for God's holy people. See, we're not supposed to live like that. Nor should there be obscenity, foolish talk, coarse joking, which are out of place, but rather thanksgiving. For of this you can be sure. Nudge your neighbor and say you can be sure of this. I can't tell you to be sure of the weather this week. I can't tell you that your app of weather is going to be correct this week. I can't tell you that the sun's actually going to come out three days from now. I cannot be sure of that, but I can be sure of this. No immoral, impure, or greedy person, such a person as an idolater, has any inheritance in the kingdom of Christ and of God. Well, I thought Jesus loved everybody. Why is it getting so serious all of a sudden? Don't you guys understand how preachers can just take the Bible out of context? You see, if all I did is just take this scripture right here and just pulled it out of context, put it on a meme, put it on my Facebook, everybody would just love me. Pastor's so nice. He's going to lay down his life. He's going to love us like Jesus loved us, and we should all do the same. But what happens when I put up this other verse, verse 5? For this you can be sure no one will who does these things will inherit the kingdom of God. Now everybody's going to say, now you're a hater, Pastor. You're hating on the impure. You're hating on the immoral. You're hating on the greedy. And then it gets even more serious. Watch this, verse 6. Let no one deceive you with empty words. For because of such things, all the things we have been taught to not do, because of those things, God's wrath comes on those who are disobedient. Disobedient means you could have been obedient. So no one's going to be able to say, man, this is unfair that I go to hell. People at this point always want to say, well, what about the people in Africa? Two things about that. Number one, you're not in Africa. You're hearing it now. You have no excuse, Jack. Okay, that's number one. Number two, they'll be judged by the conscience and the things they do know about God's law because all people are created in God's image with a conscience. And so let God be their judge. Judge them by the conscience that they have. That's Romans chapter one. But back to the point, number one, you ain't in Africa, Jack. You're here in the full commands right now. This is what you've been given. Till much is given, much is required. You're required to do this. So those who are disobedient go to hell. Those who are disobedient suffer the wrath of God. Those who make a choice to do against what God's will is. Verse 7, therefore do not be partners with them. We can love them, but we don't join with them in their evil, in their sinfulness. For you were once darkness. How many once used to be darkness? Amen. But now you're light in the Lord. How many are light in the Lord? We are the light of the world, the Bible says, because Jesus is in us. Live as children of the light. That's how we're supposed to live. For the fruit of the light consists in all goodness, righteousness, and truth. Your life is to be good. Your life is to be righteous. Your life is to be true. People have told me, well, there's hypocrites in the church. Okay, listen, if you go to McDonald's and you get a bad hamburger, does that mean you're never eating a hamburger again? If, if you get a rent-a-car and, and you get a Honda or something and it's junk, does that mean you never drive a car again? Man, no, I'm going to get back to my, my Chevy. I'm going to get back to my Ford. I'm going to get back to a Porsche, whatever. You know, just because I had to drive that for a little bit doesn't mean there's not good cars out there. Come on, just because you sit next to somebody on the bus that stinks, does that mean everybody in the life stinks and they put on deodorant? Hello, y'all get quiet. Come on. Just because you had a crazy Christian mom doesn't mean every Christian mom is crazy. Come on. Just because you had a, a, a person in your life that was a backslider and a sinner doesn't mean every person's like that. I mean, you got to make a choice. I made a choice a long time ago. I'm going to be light in the Lord, no longer darkness. Amen. And by God's grace, I'll be good, righteous, and true. Whenever I'm not, I'll repent. Amen. Why don't you do the same and find out what pleases the Lord? Everybody needs to find out what pleases the Lord. Amen. Everybody have nothing to do with the fruitless deeds of darkness, but rather expose them. And we're going to do a little bit of that today. We're going to expose some fruitless deeds of darkness. It is shameful to even mention what the disobedient do in secret. I know you talk about me as a pastor. A lot of you guys are like, pastor's bold. He says a lot of the stuff. He keeps it real. There's some stuff I can't even keep real with you here because it's so dark out there. I don't tell you everybody's sin. I don't mention everything the disobedient are doing now. It's disgusting. So we're not even supposed to glorify in their sin. But we all know what darkness looks like. Amen. 
We know. Because everything exposed by the light becomes visible. When you were blind and you walked into that bar, you didn't notice any difference because you couldn't see what was going on. But the moment your eyes were open, you went back to that club, you could see what was going on. You know what? No one had to tell me to stop hanging out with my friends. Not one person had to tell me that. Not one person. But within a few days after me being saved, they invited me over to to their house to party with them. We always did house parties. I'm telling you what, I saw exactly what that house party was about. No one had to tell me. I left and I never looked back. That was over 20 years ago. No parent forced me to do that. Nobody in my church forced me to do that. I just understood. Lights turned on. Whoa, there's landmines all over this place. There's demons here. There's dangerous lifestyles here. I don't want anything to do with it. But when my eyes were closed, I would step on landmines, blow up my life. I would get involved with demonic activity. It just, you know, it all was natural to me. But the moment my eyes were open, come on, everything became visible. And I understood what life was about. And your eyes become open. That's why the Bible says, I have seen the light. You know, and it says right here, everything that's illuminated becomes a light. That's why it said, wake up, sleeper, rise from the dead, and Christ will shine on you. How many literally look at your past as being dead, and now in Christ you're alive? If you look at it like that, you can relate to the Bible. Amen? Because your old life, though you were physically alive, spiritually you were dead. And now that you're spiritually alive, it's like, man, this is really living now. Now, verse 15, be very careful then how you live. See, now you're a Christian, so you have to be careful how you live. That's why I don't watch every movie. That's why I don't buy every book. That's why I don't support every artist, uh, listen to every musician, even though I may think it's funny, may, even though I may like the tune, whatever. I've got to be careful how I live. That's why my kids can't hang around every place, go and do everything, watch every cartoon, because we've got to be careful how we live. Now, I'm not here to judge you on those minor things. The, ba- the basic black and white things are of the Bible. Some of you may say, well, I'll never watch Harry Potter. That's cool. I can relate to that. I don't watch Harry Potter either. Others of you may say, you know what? I'm not going to watch any movies except Christian movies. Cool. I didn't watch any, any movie except it was Christian for the first seven years of my life. And some of you will be like, I'm not even going to drink caffeine because I don't like how it feels. I'm probably the only weirdy here. I haven't drinking caffeine since I got saved 20 plus years ago because it reminded me of speed and being high when I drank too much of it. Okay. So uh, y'all going to make those decisions on those minor things. Those are the things the Bible says your conscience will decide. But we'll decide. But all of us need to be careful about how we live our Christian life. Because what may be a temptation to you may not be a temptation to me. Okay? Me, me watching a, a movie doesn't tempt me to want to cheat on my wife. But that, that same movie may bring back old memories to you and make you want to go cheat on your wife. So, husbands, you got to guard yourself against a movie like that. You know, I'm just saying, like, you just got to guard your heart. You want to wonder what kind of movie that would be. But I don't have time to describe movies like that. I'm just saying there's things out there that could just trigger things. Let me just give you an example. I didn't listen to secular music for almost 10 years. I only listened to Christian music. Now I listen to just a little bit of secular music here and there. And sometimes my friends will listen to a song and I'm like, no, that reminds me of my past. I just don't want to listen to that. You see, because that triggers something of a memory. And there's no reason to go there. The Bible says if your left hand causes you to sin, cut it off. It's better to cut that thing off and go to he- heaven being known as righty, because you le- you're missing your lefty, uh, you know, you're missing your left arm, than to go to heaven trying to, uh, go to hell trying to do all these things that could possibly cause you to stumble. So live wisely. Amen. Make the most of every opportunity. That's why we go to church, because the days are evil. We come here to learn how to live wise lives. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the Lord's will is. So you need to understand it. Do not get drunk on wine, which leads to debauchery. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit, speaking to one another with psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit. How many of us enjoy that today? Singing and make music from your heart to the Lord, always giving thanks to God the Father for how many things? For everything in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Can I hear an amen? So once again, we're going through the book of Ephesians verse by verse. We have started in chapter 1. We went through all the heavenly-minded goodies. That was for about the first four chapters. Today we took a stop back in chapter 2 to remind us of some of the heavenly mindsets. uh, We need to have the heavenly mindset of being saved by grace, through faith, not of ourselves, not by works, lest we should boast. Well, right around chapter 4, there's a turn from the heavenly-minded to the earthly good. And that's what we just read was that huge section called Instructions for Christian Living. Read your Bible every week and you'll keep up with us and understand this transition there because then he goes on to transitions for the family and job, instructions on spiritual warfare, and then for our final greetings. Today we're on lesson number uh, 10 and we only have about eight afterwards. There were 17 things as we read those verses that Paul taught us to do. Just as he taught the people of Ephesus, he's teaching the people of Chicago. Can I hear an amen? Amen. All the notes are found on our website and also on our app. So make sure that you check those out if you ever want to look more in detail. 
Now I want to talk to you today about that passage, walk in the way of love. Somebody say walk in the way of love. Thank you. Now when we talk about walking in the way of love and following Jesus' example, all we got to do is just go to the Gospels and find the way Jesus loved people and do likewise. Somebody say do likewise. Amen. So if I'm going to walk in the way of love, follow the example of Jesus, go to the Gospels, see how he's loved people, and just do it. Amen? Simple. Well, here's the thing that comes up. When you watch Jesus' life, especially a lot of preachers today, you really only get one side of Jesus' life. And so i got to really correct it. i got to show you there's another side of Jesus' love. But here's, here's the problem. There's one side that's non-controversial that everybody knows about, but this other side I want to talk to you about is controversial. And so for some people, they don't know that other side of Jesus. If you go on the streets today and you start talking about the gospel as we do, I preach Mondays at the Wright College. Every Monday I'm there at the corner. And if I was to ask them, do you know about Jesus? Most people always say yes. And if I were to ask them, Tell me one thing about Jesus, like just what, whether you even believe in him or not, what do you know about him? What have you heard about him? They would say, you know, Jesus loved us. He died on the cross for us. He forgive our sins. You know, that would be the simple message. And then if I said, can you remember any words of Jesus? They probably would be able to remember at least two words of Jesus, judge not, judge not. That, that would, they would be able to recall that. They, if they were drunk, I'm drunk. I don't even know what's going on. Well, are words of Jesus? Okay, judge not. Judge not, lest you be judged. I know that one. Okay. But if I said, tell me some other things Jesus said. Tell me actually why Jesus got crucified. Because you don't crucify a person just kissing on babies, hanging out with the poor, and healing the sick. You you, you don't crucify somebody like that. That's non-controversial. How was this person hated so much that his own people turned on him and the Roman government whipped him, mocked him, put spikes on his head and left him there to die like a criminal? See, there's really two sides of Jesus' love. And, And the thing as Christians is we need to know both sides and both sides are full of love. There's not like one side that's less loving and the other side is like more loving. No, both sides are 100% the love of God. Like, thank you, Jesus. You loved me so much to do these things. Can I hear an amen? Amen. Let's start with the non-controversial, the things like we all know. If we're going to follow Jesus' example, let's start with healing the sick, right? So we should have compassion for those who are sick. We look to, you know, there's hundreds of stories uh, in the Bible we could look to. But let's just look to this one right here, Matthew 9, 21. This is the woman with the issue of blood. She said to herself, if I can only touch his his cloak. I will be healed. Come on, somebody. Just touch the cloak of Jesus. Jesus turned and saw her. Take heart, daughter. He said, your faith has healed you. And the woman was healed at that moment. Somebody say, at that moment, she was healed. Oh, y'all didn't want to go that next level? At that moment, she was healed. Amen. Like a little choir right here. Thank you. We love those stories. Woman, she's neglected. She's sick. She's bleeding. Nobody can help her anymore. She does whatever it takes. She touches Jesus. She's healed. He turns around. He talks to her. And then he lets her know that he loves her, that, is, that he's going to you know, heal her, not only just in the physical, but make her whole all over. Wow, isn't that awesome? That's, that's the Jesus we love. Amen? That's non-controversial Jesus. That's the Jesus we want on CNN. That's, that's Ellen DeGeneres' uh, 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 Jesus. Amen? Uh, that, that, that's, Oprah's, that's Oprah's Jesus. Everybody loves that Jesus. How about this Jesus? Correcting hypocritical judgments. Oh, nobody loves, likes hypocrites. Nobody likes hypocrites. And so they found this woman caught in adultery. Where's the man, right? They don't care about the man. They just take the woman. And now they got the stones. They're ready to stone her. And John 8, 7, Jesus says, let any of you who is without sin be the first to throw a stone at her. And all God's people said, amen. Aren't you happy she didn't get stoned that day? You know there's another side coming. Some of y'all just don't want to amen me right now. But it's okay to love Jesus in the non-controversial ways. Don't you love Jesus that he didn't stone people? 
that he came to forgive sinners. He came to fulfill the law that said she deserves stoning. And remember, the God of the Old Testament is not a bad God. It's the same Jesus. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. He wasn't born on Christmas. He just took on flesh. When I go to space and put on a space suit, that's not when I get born, when I put on a space suit. I was born before that. When Jesus put on an earth suit, he existed before that. Are you listening? I love that Jesus will fulfill the law because none of us could abide by it perfectly. No one could. All the law did was show us how many times we fail. And these hypocritical leaders just love to point out other people's flaws but never looked at their own. And that's what we got to say about that, man. You take that, those you hypocrites. You got no sin, then you throw the first stone. Nobody throws any stones. Thank you, Jesus. All right, let's keep going. How many know Jesus taught us to love our enemies? Amen. Jesus taught us in Luke chapter, seven, uh, Luke chapter 6, verse 27. But to you who are listening, I say to you, love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Oh, this sounds like Mahatma Gandhi right here, right? This is Mother Teresa stuff right here. Love your enemies. Bless those who curse you. Praise, uh, pray for those who mistreat you. Somebody slaps you on one cheek, turn to them the other. Someone takes your coat, do not withhold your shirt from them. Is your neighbor wearing something you like right now? Let's test this scripture on your neighbor. Take their coat and see if they let you have their shirt as well. Come on. If someone takes your coat, don't withhold your shirt from them. Give to everyone who asks you. Oh, how many love this Jesus? And if anyone takes what belongs to you, don't even demand it back. You can keep my lawnmower, neighbor. That's okay. I'll get another one. Oh, the golden rule, verse 31. Let's read together. One, two, three. Do to others as you would have them do to you. Don't we love that, Jesus? There is no controversy right here. RuPaul loves this Jesus. Doesn't he? Doesn't RuPaul love this Jesus? You all get quiet when I talk like that. Little Wayne loves this Jesus. Come on. Drake loves this Jesus. All the sports stars as they're going to play their games, kissing their cross, they love this Jesus. This is everybody's favorite Jesus right here. This is the Jesus you bring over to meet your parents, right? We'll get to the other Jesus in just a moment. We'll get to the other Jesus in just a moment. This is the Jesus you want to bring to your parents. Breaking down cultural prejudice. Don't you love Jesus? He's talking to a bunch of Jews. They don't know how to act right, so he tells them a story where they all look stupid, and the Samaritan's the one that's the hero of the story. This would be like Jesus talking to a bunch of white slave owners in the South thinking that they were so religious and that they were really the good people, and God tells a story where they all look stupid, and it's the African-American slave that's the hero of the story. He's like, take that. You guys don't know nothing. The man gets robbed. He's a Jewish man. A Jewish priest walks by. A Jewish rabbi. All these Jewish people walk by, even their religious leaders. Leave that man on the ground bleeding. Don't give a rip about him. But here comes a Samaritan who's a half Jew and a half pagan. That's how they looked at him back then. Called him even dogs. The Samaritan comes and takes care of his oppressor. Doesn't ask for reparations, just takes care of them, doesn't hold it against them, and the Samaritan becomes the hero. He had every right to kick the man while he was down. That was his oppressor, right? But the Samaritan loves on that man and treats him good. It says, as the Samaritan traveled, came where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. How many are happy for Jesus that told us to break down cultural racism and prejudice? I'm happy for that. Now we could just end the message right there and say, go do likewise. Go heal the sick. Let's just go through and make sure you got it, right? Go heal the sick. Go tell all those hypocrites out there, stop judging, right? Be kind to everyone, including your enemies, and you better break down those prejudices. Amen. Where's Adam at? Let's close out the service. Let's be just like Jesus. Oh, but hold on. The message continues on. Boop, 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 boop. There's some controversial forms of Jesus' love, though. You see, these are the reasons why Jesus got put up on that cross. There was a reason why even the culture turned on him. Some that he had fed as the 5,000, healed when they were sick, were shouting then, crucify him. Well, what changed with sweet old Jesus? Well, Jesus actually rebuked people and called them names. Matthew 23, 16 through 17, Woe to you, you blind guides, talking to the church people of that time. You say if anyone swears by the temple, it means nothing, but anyone who swears by the gold of the temple is bound by the oath. You blind fools, which is greater, the gold of the temple that makes the, sa the, the gold sacred. See, that might get you crucified right there. Call somebody a fool. 
You call the most religious people a blind guide? This is the equivalent of me looking at the Pope and all of the cardinals and the bishops saying, you fools, what is greater, your hat or that, that picture of Jesus or that statue of Jesus you got in your church? You understand? What you think matters here. You swear by your cross and you kiss it. You do the, what, None of this matters without God's presence, right? You're hypocrites. You're blind guides. You're fools thinking that this man is, needs to be carried around in a bubble and he represents Peter the apostle, you fools. See, now all my Catholic friends get upset. Now you say, I'm not your friend no more. You say, I don't love you. I have Catholic relatives. My family was Catholic. Jesus loved the Jewish people. Jesus was a Jew. Most of the time, people don't even know Jesus was a Jew. Some people think Jesus was anti-Semitic. That's so foolish. Jesus was Jewish, y'all. You understand that? He's calling his own religious people. Me, the Italiano, I'm saying to my own people, you do this, you're foolish. You don't need Father Tom to absolve you of a sin in a dark closet called confession. You don't need to be handed communion like you're too dirty, you can't touch it, and you need to be fed it like you're a baby bird into your mouth, you blind fools and guides. I love you so much, though. Hold on. I'm confused, pastor. You mean you can actually call somebody a fool and love them? You mean this is loving Jesus? This ain't angry, hateful Jesus? You see, the problem is we don't understand what love is like. We have somehow forgotten what true love is like. Let, let me ask you a question. If my child was convinced that eating dirt from the ground was good and they were mentally sane, okay? So we're not saying they have a mental issue. They have a sound working mind, and they're taking spoonful of dirt, say eight, nine-year-old, and they're putting spoonful of dirts into their mouth. Is that the right thing to do? And if I tell them not to do it, and they keep doing it, at some point, do I have to tell them, you are acting foolish right now. You are being a fool by eating this dirt, child. Stop. You're going to hurt yourself. That's the most loving thing you can do. Am I, do I want the Pope to go to hell? No, so the most loving thing I do for the Pope is tell him who he is. Do I want Roman Catholics to go to hell because they've been deceived by a blind guide thinking this gives them forgiveness? I actually want them forgiven. Now let me ask you something. If another parent watches their child eating that dirt and says, I'm so happy. Let's put this on Facebook. Look at what my eight-year-old does. I don't know about y'all, but my eight-year-old's smart. Look at how smart my eight-year-old is. She eats dirt. Is that a loving parent? No, that's actually hate, isn't it? You see, what the culture did when we weren't paying attention is exactly what Isaiah the prophet said. They now call evil good, and they now call good evil. And see, what they did is when they switched it, they now convinced us as the church that when we talk like Jesus, that we're talking hate speech, that we're talking evil, that we're talking divisive. Well, in that sense, it may be to them that way, but to God who sets good from evil, this is truth. This is good. This is righteous. This is the way of my Savior. I can just imagine somebody getting saved in a modern-day church and meeting someone from this time, and they meet at the Last Supper. Uh, uh, they meet, rather, at the Lamb Supper of the, at the end times, the, the Supper of the Lamb that we all eat together for seven years as the world's being judged. He prepares a table before us in the presence of our enemies. If you don't understand that, what that means is the church will be in heaven while seven years of wrath and tribulation are coming, and we will be literally like medieval nights, uh, medieval times, as I've been there with my kids. We will be eating and rejoicing while we're watching the world be destroyed and God be victorious. Other people will be shouting out, oh no, oh no, and we'll be saying, oh yes, oh yes. I don't know if you've been to medieval nights, but it's exactly like the uh, medieval times because like you're the blue one and the other person's the yellow one and that yellow one gets knocked down and you're like, no, and you're like, yes. Oprah will be like, oh no, oh no, Bill Gates, oh no, and I'll be like, yes, yes. Get you some of Jesus now. He ain't baby Jesus no more. He's conquering King Jesus. But watch this. But watch this. We, 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 we think to ourselves that somehow, that now this is angry. This is, this is hateful. Like, we're, we're so angry with these people. My friends, it would be true hate to not want them to be with us. If you believe Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. If you believe there's a heaven and a hell. Everybody get this. 
Sinners of all generations have said this. I can, I can even give you a quote right now from Penn and Teller. You guys know Penn and Teller? And uh, the big guy's Penn. Penn even had a, uh, he's an atheist, but a Christian give him a Bible, tell him about heaven and hell. And this is what even he's even said. It's been said all throughout generations. He said, I have no problem with Christians who tell me about heaven and hell, give me a Bible, say I'm going to hell. I have no problem with them. He said, I have a problem with the ones who believe in hell and never tell me about it. He said, I have no problem with a Christian actually believing this and going out of their way to tell me. Because if that was true, there's a hell. As one man said to another, he said, if that were true, I would crawl on my hands and knees over broken glass across England to warn one person not to go there. You see, we as Christians oftentimes show what we really believe. We actually show people we don't believe in hell and we don't talk about it. When Jesus was talking about it like this, he's not doing it because he wants them to go there. He's doing it because he loves them. He doesn't want them to be deceived. So now imagine what the marriage supper of the Lamb, and, and we have somebody that's been saved in the modern church, and they're sitting next to somebody at Jesus' time. And so the person in the modern church service says, oh, man, I'm so happy to be here. I got saved. I love Jesus. And, and then the guy's like, how did you get saved? Well, I was at a church, and, and, they, and they did a play, and there was and I came up, and I said, I need the priest's last breath. And he said, Father, forgive them. You know, and then he cried. And I came up, and I said, I need that, Jesus, and that's so precious. And, 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 and and the guy listening to the story says, oh, man, I'm so happy. I'm so happy. I'm so glad you're here because we're happy they gave their heart to Jesus, right? And then, and then they, he, he asked the guy sitting next to him who came from Jesus' time. And he says, well, how did you get here? How did you get saved? Well, it was a little bit different. I was a Jewish leader one day, and Jesus came around calling us a bunch of blind guides. Uh, he said we were fools, basically called us idiots for about 20 minutes. He said everything we respected was garbage. And that, uh, yeah, we were going to go to the same place as the pagans were going to go unless we repented. But he loved me that much to tell me the truth. Because it was true that we were blind. And it was true that we were foolish. And it was true that we were doing things we weren't supposed to. So I'm glad that Jesus loved me enough to tell me to stop eating dirt. Because he loved me. This I know, for the Bible tells me so. Amen? Oh, remember that thing about the sin and judge not and all that? Well, here's another part about Jesus' life that a lot of us don't know. It's controversial, though. He exposed people's sin. He actually told on them because he could know what was in their life. He's kind of like God in the flesh. So he's sitting next to a woman, and they're talking religious talk. And then all of a sudden, she goes, I don't have a husband, she replied. Jesus said, you're right. You don't have a husband. The fact is, you have had about five husbands, and the man you are now tricking with ain't even your husband. So what you said is quite true. Because I know you. <laughs> I know who you are. I know what you're like. I know what you do when nobody's around. And I love you. And I care about you. I mean, Jesus loves us just the way we are, but too much to let us stay that way. Oh, and what about that one where he said to that woman, oh, I'm not going to let them stone you. I'm not going to let them stone you. You know the story goes on, right? He actually then tells her to stop sinning. In John chapter 8, verse 11, he says to the woman, go and sin no more. So it wasn't, hey, nobody's going to stone you here. Keep doing what you're doing. It's okay. No. He said, go and sin no more. He loved her enough to say, the life of sin stops now. Jesus had healed one dude, and he was sick and, and paralyzed and had been busted and disgusted for a long time. So you want to talk about having a terrible life physically, you would feel compassion for this guy, right? He comes to Jesus, finds him at the temple in John 5, 14, and this is what Jesus says. See, you're well again. Now stop sinning or something worse may happen to you. You think being crippled was something? You better stop sinning or it's going to get a whole lot worse. That's not the Jesus you bring home to your meet your parents, is it? <laughs> That's not the one you post on Facebook, right? Well, we should, shouldn't we? Because this is love. What Jesus was saying, in other words, was sin, not superstition, not karma, but sin brought sickness and death. Not because that man sinned, but because sin in Adam and Eve's life brought the destruction of sickness upon the earth. This man was now deformed, and his life was abnormal, and he suffered. And Jesus is saying, what that looks like physically, you will have spiritually forever if you don't stop what you're doing now. Because even though you were crippled, you might have been looking at some girls coming to that pool. Well, check out old girl over here. Come on. 
You ain't seen crippled people lust? You haven't been around enough crippled people. Come on, wheel me to Bourbon Street. I've been to Mardi Gras and seen people wheeling down Bourbon Street looking at the women's breastesses. Bring me over there. Got to see them. Ooh, look at that. Yeah, because whatever he was doing as sin, he said, you better stop that now. Because healing doesn't get you to heaven. Being born again does. Oh, and then Jesus loved us enough to tell us to hate some stuff. Uh, Jesus told us that if you love me so much, you will hate crack. And if you love me so much, you'll hate shooting heroin. And if you love me so much, you'll hate those crooked politicians. If you're in a sense. But look at what Jesus said in Luke 14, 25. This is sassy Jesus. Large crowds were traveling with Jesus. A lot of people were with him. And turning to them, he said, if anyone comes to me and does not hate father and mother, wife and children, brothers and sisters, and yes, even their own life, such a person cannot be my disciple. That's how much he loved us. Those are one of the most lovingest words you'll ever hear in your entire life, and I'll explain them to you. Whoever does not carry their cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. Why did Jesus love us so much to teach us to hate? It almost sounds contradictory. He loved us so much. He taught us to hate. Absolutely. The Bible teaches about hate all throughout the Bible. All throughout the Bible. It's, all, it's not all about hate, but there's a lot of scriptures about hate there. And why did he pick the most precious things? Father and mother. And I think about my wife and my five beautiful children and my own life. Why did he say hate those things? Because there can only be one Lord of your life. There can only be one master. Now watch this. Watch this. Don't miss this. Because it ties it all in together here. Remember, Jesus knows beginning and end at the same time. He's Alpha and Omega, right? And he understands that when people made mother their lowercase g God, their idol, mother couldn't save them from destruction. And he's watched them perish in eternal hellfire. Fathers, no matter how hard they work to provide and to nurture their children, can't stop judgment. Children, no matter how innocent, no matter how precious, the greatest gift you'll ever have is your children. Can't stop one sin in your life from the wrath of God. It would be as if God said this to you. Heaven is at the top of Mount Everest. You want to go there? Here's how you do it. You deny your mother. You deny your father. You deny your children. You deny your wife. And you cling on to me. And I bring you there. And you say, well, can I just bring my wife with me? We'll both cling on. No, no, no. I will bring your wife separately. But you go alone. Before you put on the mask of the person next to you, put on your own mask. Before you try to save your wife, you be saved. It's only meant for one. You decide. And so you cling on to Jesus. And you say, you're my everything. I hold on to you with all my heart, soul, and strength. I love you. And now he teaches you to love wife to love children, to love brother, to love sister, to love yourself. Because the next command is love your neighbor as yourself. You can't love your neighbor as yourself unless you love yourself. But you first got to know what it's like to be loved by Jesus. You can't bring them with you to heaven because if that was the choice that God was going to make, we could force people to come, then he would have taken away free will from Adam and it never would have been a choice. It just would have been the tree of life, 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 the tree, the tree of life's around here. There wouldn't be one called the tree of the knowledge of good versus evil where you're in charge and you make your decisions. So today... What God is asking us to do is to trust Him, that He loves us. He knows the end from the beginning, and that whatever we give up for Him, He will give back to us, the Bible says. 
He'll give it back. He'll give us back our family. He says, whoever's forsaken mother and father and all of those things in this life will get back a hundred times in this life and the life to come. Can I get an amen? So how do we put them all together now? Because I just want to love like Jesus. There's not two Jesuses. I just want to be like Jesus. Amen. Somebody say like Jesus. Amen. So let's pray for the sick. Let's follow his example. Let's practice adoption. Help the poor. Do acts of charity. Let's not be hypocrites. Let's live honestly as disciples. Ask others to follow our example. Let's do unto others as we would have them do unto us. I'm preaching better than you're shouting. Come on. Treat everyone the same, no matter what cultural race they are, because everyone's made in the image of God. Let's rebuke the practice of false religion, knowing that if they follow that, they'll be deceived. Let's be open to hear what the Spirit says about people's secret lives so that God can heal them and they can be forgiven. Let's preach the controversial commands for people to stop sinning, even if it's homosexuality, abortion, adultery, sex outside of marriage, pornography, or unwholesome talk or racism. And let's make sold out disciples of Christ who are willing to give their all for Jesus. If you believe that, would you stand up? Come on and give it up for Jesus today. Let's give him a great big hand clap of praise and a shout of victory. Woo! Hallelujah! We'll do Jesus. We'll love like Jesus. We will love like Jesus. The Bible ends with one of the most encouraging things you could ever hear. First John's one of the last books of the Bible. And it just encourages me because it shows me that I have a purpose in this life. Band and altar workers, would you come please? Look at it, 1 John 3.16. How many know John 3.16? Let's say together in the King James. One, two, three. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. Hallelujah. That is John 3.16 demonstrating Jesus' love for us. The same author in what is known as an epistle, that was the gospel, the biography of Jesus. An epistle is a letter written to the church. In 1 John 3.16, he says, this is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid down his life for us. That's John 3.16. He gave himself for us, right? But now watch what 1 John 3.16 continues to say. And we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters. So when we take the full package of Jesus, the controversial, the non-controversial, we, we get it together, that's called love. And that's called helping. And that's why Christians around the world, we've, we've been pretty much known, other than the crazy ones, I'm talking about the real Christians, that's what we've been known for. What are we known for like in African missions? We come, we pray for the sick, we help the hurting, we develop the orphanages, we support an orphanage right now in Africa. We, we, we help them, we feed them, we provide for them, we begin to love on them. We take the women off of prostitution, that's what this orphanage does as well. It takes the women off of prostitution, sex trafficking, we do all of that, right? And then what do we do? We teach them not to sin and not to live like that, to be born again, to experience the new life, to be a disciple, to turn their back on the world, to follow Jesus. And guess what happens? Sometimes you get persecuted. Sometimes people don't like you for that. Sometimes people may look at you. Sadia, would you come, please? Some people may look at you like they look at Sadia. During Easter service, we had two lesbians come, and it was something that was on her heart because she has been a lesbian in the past. So she goes to the lesbians and starts to preach to them the gospel. And as they're telling her, you don't understand, she's like, you don't know me. You don't know where I've been. Just the way she looks today is totally different. She used to dress like a boy. And Sadia, they may look at you and say, oh, you're hating me. Not saying these people, oh, they did say, but they may say that even out there, oh, you're hating me. But I want you to tell me what it's been like since Jesus loved you so much to tell you, even though that might have felt good at the time, but that wasn't what he made you for. What difference has real love made in your life as you've known your identity? Uh, just knowing Jesus and just stepping into his character because like Pastor Joe said when we begin to know Jesus We begin to know our own true identity. It's like a cutout and once we read the word we abide by the word Because the Bible says if you abide in me, I will abide in you So once we step into that cutout of Jesus, you know, he's our 
because when we go to surrender, he's our height, he's our size, he's everything we've been looking for. So when we go to Jesus, we experience true love. We experience a free, you know, a bliss, abandonment. We experience all these things that the world cannot provide. People thought, you know, free drinks were the, you know, great, you know, like having sex with women and men. But how about free freedom? Because because we don't have to buy it. We don't have to go through it. We don't have to, I'll, I'll trade you a line for a beer. I'll, no, God is like, hey, I'll give you free freedom if you just give me you. But that's where the pride comes in of, I don't want that. I want me and I want to live my life. But God's like, why? Because the Bible says you have to lay down your life to live life. And, the, and in John it says, um, the word was with God and the word was God. So we have to abide by the word where it goes back in the Bible to, we have to live like Jesus. We have to be blame, you know, blameless and holy, you know? And when I, you know, in Boys Town, I thought it was great, you know, seeing like women naked, men, you know, like all this all go have sex. But when I went to Jesus, I didn't want to watch porn anymore. I didn't want to do none of these things because he set me free. But why not settle for, you know, because the Bible says who the sun sets free is free indeed. I don't want to settle just for freedom. I want to be free indeed. So when we begin to know Jesus, we begin to find true love, true abandonment in the world because Jesus, you know, it's crazy because it's like when we go to him, we experience love, passion, joy, all these things that the world cannot give us. So, you know, that's, that's about it, yeah. I love how you said that, free freedom. Somebody put that on Facebook. God's freedom is free. And then the other thing that you said, what was that other thing? I want to catch that. That thing right at the beginning, oh, man. Yeah, the cutout of Jesus. The cutout of, somebody put that on Facebook. Step into the cutout of Jesus. Because here's the deal. I love how she said those things because it's not just she stopped doing a sin. She found her purpose and identity. It's not like Jesus, and I said this before because I always mention people we all can just know. You know what I'm saying? Not like they're any better or worse than us, but just people we know. So, like when God is speaking to, you know, the Gucci gang, or God is speaking to Fetty Wap, or God is speaking to Donald Trump, or Hillary Clinton, trying to hit on everybody here, or, or Ellen, or Oprah, he's not saying your life is going to be so miserable now when you become a Christian because you're going to give up so much. You're going to be so lame. You're going to miss your lesbian partner. You're going to miss these billions of dollars. You're going to be so broke. No, he's saying you're going to be so blessed. You're going to have what you never had. Ellen would have what she never has with Portia. Literally never have with another woman. A man in a homosexual relationship will find and will love what he's never had before. And that doesn't necessarily mean he has to get married. Maybe him or her will stay single. But you will find in Christ what sex never would have given you. You'll find in God, and that doesn't mean you stop being a, a poor, a rich and you become poor. No, but you'll find in God what you never had, what money never could give you. Amen? Father, we thank you today. Let's pray as we go. Lord, we just surrender our lives to you right now. Would you right now give your heart to Jesus and be born again if you haven't? If you're a visitor with us, all you have to do is say, Jesus, be the Lord of my life. I receive your gift. Just right where you're at, you can receive the gift of salvation. Those of you who are not living like a Christian and you claim to be a Christian, just ask God to forgive you for being a hypocrite. He'll forgive you right now. For those of us who are saying, man, I'm doing this and, I, and I'm right with God, would you right now just raise up your hands and say, Lord, fill me with your love that it would go through me, that it would go to me and through me so that all of us here leave out with the love of God. And it doesn't matter what the world calls it. We know we love them. We know we want to be used by God. They can call us judgmental, that's fine. But we're not going to stop loving them the way God taught us to love them. We're going to love them with our words. We're going to love them with our actions. Jesus, let your love come through us, all of us here today. Even if you just ask Jesus in your heart, just raise up your hands as a sign of surrender with us now. Come on, just say it before you go. Jesus, let your love come to me and through me. We're going to worship together as we get this next worship song up. If you need prayer, come up. We'll dismiss in just a moment. But if you need prayer for anything today, come up, especially if you need help loving Jesus. They're not up here to be a priest in that sense. They're just here to be your brother or sister. But we'll close in just a moment. As we start to worship, come on up right now. Go ahead, band, please. Before I spoke, those who need prayer I'm just asking you to come don't be ashamed
because God's love will change your life. If you're ready to be who God called you to be, come on, sing this out. Sing this out with us today. Jesus. Come on, there's more of you that need to come up and get prayer. We're going to keep worshiping. But come on, don't be embarrassed. Take a step for Jesus today. Jesus, we love you. I couldn't turn. Don't deserve it. Still, you give yourself away. Oh, the overwhelming, never-ending, reckless love. We're going to get ready to dismiss. We're going to keep worshiping after we dismiss, so you can come up and pray then. But thank you for those who have come up. God is moving in this place. Lord, as we leave out of this place, may we love you with all of our heart, soul, mind, and strength. And our neighbor, may we love our neighbor as we love ourselves and the way you loved us. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. Give it up for Jesus today one more time, amen. God bless you as you go. You're dismissed. Slap your